0: This is the Digital Agency Insiders podcast. Inside, you'll learn how to build, grow, and scale your digital marketing agency all from the comfort of your favorite coffee shop. Let's get started with the show.
1: Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of digital agency insiders podcast the podcast that gives you a little inside look into how entrepreneurs have built and grown their digital marketing agencies I am Tabitha Thomas your host and if this is your first time checking out the podcast can I just encourage you to go hit that subscribe button as we release new episodes each and every Tuesday so I'm excited about today's guest today I have with me Matt Johnson Matt is the founder and CEO of pursuing results now pursuing results started in 2015 as a done for podcasting for business coaches, consultants, and thought leaders. He is also the host of the Micro Famous podcast and co-host Real Estate Uncensored. He's been a sales and marketing coach, a sales manager, a marketing director, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, He came highly recommended from a few of our previous guests and some of my friends. So we are super excited to have you with us. Matt, welcome.
0: Thank you. I'm super pumped to be here.
1: (laughs) So one of the things, and and this may be a a faux pas for podcasting, but one of the things that I love asking right off the bat is what did the path to becoming an entrepreneur look like for you? So looking through, you know, all the many roles in your career, you've been self-employed a few times. So I'm guessing the entrepreneurial bug has probably bit you uh, a few times. So what what has kept you or drove you to start some businesses?
0: Well, kind of, although I'm envious of people that were like selling and flipping candy at like... 13 years of old, you know, age and put themselves through college. Like I wasn't doing any of that. I was in a basement, very pasty, practicing the drums or the piano or whatever. Um, and my dad was a pastor. So like the closest thing I got to an entrepreneur was watching my dad pastor his own church. Nobody else I knew had a college degree or let alone a business, like nobody yeah. in my entire Ow. family or friends. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so I didn't get bit by the entrepreneur bug until I was in my mid-20s. And I started a real estate team. And I had the uh, illustrious timing of starting that in two thousand and seven mm. so <laughs> so that led uh, that Perfect led to timing. a bunch of odd jobs <laughs> and wandering and trying to figure out what I wanted to do and spending five years chasing the dream as a musician. So I get out of that and I end up doing like account management for somebody else's uh, marketing company, so that was five, six years ago. Uh, Flash forward to today and I'll get into the journey or whatever. But today I run like my own agency with a team of people all around the world. I don't have anybody here in San Diego with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I run the agency in about two hours a week, which frees up the rest of my time to do things like write the book, host my own podcast, be interviewed, like just the stuff that I enjoy. But for the most part, I work mornings that's my that's my schedule I work mornings I stack up all my calls and uh, the rest of the afternoon is either off or it's optional so I'll, I'll come back and do like an hour maybe 90 minutes of work or something a few times a week in the afternoon um, so that's kind of the uh, the before and after
1: that's incredible that's incredible so so what led you to podcasting in the first place like that's kind of a little bit random if, if you, you know, few people do that, but well, uh, it is. So, what, well, so what made you want to start a podcast and what well, got you say, into doing like, them for like other people? Like every digital
0: agency <laughs> owner, you fall into it mostly. Um, <laughs> well, so for me, it was odd because I was working in, in marketing, but I was working with like thought leaders and business coaches in, in the industry where I came out of, which is, which is real estate and mortgage. And I was doing like Google Hangouts with those people back when that was a thing one of them called me up one day and just said, dude, like we, we have a blast, we have great content, I wanna do more coaching, you wanna do this and that, like let's start a podcast together. And that was Real Estate Uncensored, which is funny because I was gonna call him the next week and pitch him the same thing.
1: Well, that's when you know it's a perfect idea, right? Yes,
0: exactly. So that that podcast ended up taking off and doing really well. And it's like a million and a half downloads and got a lot of industry accolades. Within 18 months, we were headline, like speaking at sold out, standing room only, breaking breakout sessions or whatever you want to call them. Um, That did really well. However, on the back end of that, I had started working with another consultant in the same space, but who had like appealed to a much more focused, more valuable slice of that market. Mm-hmm. He ended up making me a coach or like a like partner in that consulting business. We launched a podcast for that too. So I was hosting two podcasts side by side with two co-hosts in the same exact space, but with wildly different focus. And they got wildly different results. The podcast that got all the attention and the downloads didn't generate anywhere near the revenue of the podcast that got very few downloads, but had a really clear message for a very valuable slice of people. So that was like okay that that was oh, the wake God. up call right so it's not it's not that podcasting is a silver bullet which it's not it's the strategy behind it and if you get it aligned with the right kind of business podcasting can be a a a a magic train to very very many good things but you got to get that fit right and so that ended up you know that's what led to all the principles that ended up in the micro famous book and led to me just really dialing in the agency to where I focus on selling one thing to the one type of person that I know will get like the most benefit from it. So, so that's the, how that's the short did you,
1: story. I, I love it. So how did you figure out who that one person was, that one client was and what their message needed to be? How did you guys, was that a process?
0: Definitely a process. Yeah. Because it, well, it came out of real estate. So there was a yeah. time And this leads to like my biggest mistake in entrepreneurship, which is I ended up in four different businesses. Cause the idea was, well, I'm in, I'm a marketing guy and I'm in real estate. Therefore, like I was getting all these opportunities to build products or get involved in consulting companies or SaaS or whatever. And so the idea was like, if you just encountered me in any way and you took a step forward and bought something, I made a piece of it. That was, and I thought that was a good thing. And then I like, I realized that, holy cow, like I'm going down the wrong path. And I, I should have known better because I came out of an agency that sold one thing to one type of, type of person. Yeah. So finally, I got a hold of myself and I said, okay, well, it's not real estate agents that's my market. It's not even so much real estate coaches that are my market, even though those were all my friends and, and my favorite people. But I asked myself this question. If somebody flew into San Diego, if one of my clients flew into San Diego and texted me and said, Hey, I just landed, I know it's off the cuff. Do you want to go grab a drink with me? Who is the person that I'd be excited to versus the person that I look at the phone and go, Oh, how can I get out of this? Yeah. (laughs) And that that was the question that turned everything around. Then it was like, okay, it's it's business coaches, consultants, and thought leaders that have a message. They wanna teach other entrepreneurs how to do what they've done. They have amazing intellectual property. They can make a real impact on people's lives. Like those are the people that I wanna hang out with and that's who I want the agency to serve. And it 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 was that flash of insight to just ask myself that question that settled everything. And then I just restructured around the answer to that question.
1: Well, and then work becomes a lot more fun because you're working with people that you actually enjoy being around.
0: Yes. Yes. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful virtuous cycle.
1: It's, it's almost like you did that on purpose.
0: Almost. I wish I could say I did it sooner. Um, what's funny about that is I made the same mistake in business that I made in music, which is I, like I was in four bands at one time back, back in the day, because I was thinking about like a lottery ticket.
1: Yeah. And, one of and them's going to work. One of, yes, work.
0: <laughs> one of them them's going to work. And to a certain degree, music is a little bit more like that. You can play in three or four different bands and you can kind of put your lottery tickets in. Business is not that way at all. Um, like you can take an average idea and through hustle and hard work, you can make it work. You can take four amazing ideas and you can suck at all four of them by trying to do all four at once. And that's what I was, I was doing. So I got out of all that, um, Got, got out of the other consulting company I was a partner in, the other agency I was a partner in. Like I got out of all of it. And I just fo- said, look, if I'm going to focus on one thing, why not focus on the thing where I actually have 100% ownership? That's an amazing concept.
1: Oh, well, and you enjoy it. So what, I've got a question. What do you play in the band?
0: Uh, well, now I do. You can see in the background behind me, there's a it. keyboard and a bass. So I've been working on live looping and just kind of being a one-man band. The last time I was in the studio was two years ago. Like I, I don't yeah. devote as much time to it as I would like. Um, But I I do, I can get in there and just play everything. So now I don't need other inconvenient uh, musicians because they're very flighty. I don't know if you've noticed that musicians, very flighty group.
1: That's awesome. So I would imagine at this point, most of your clients are probably coming to you. So what was your process like when you first got started with finding clients? And, well, and the process was you, a
0: combination of two things, yeah. and, and it has shifted a little bit, but the same two things still work. Cause, so, because the, the first thing was you invite people onto your podcast. Now, I didn't know that was a strategy at the time, but I was just inviting people onto my real estate podcast because they were influencers in that space. And then mm-hmm. those people behind the scenes would ask what I did or how I was putting out that much content, and I would tell them about the team, and they would go, "Oh my god, like we got to have a follow up conversation." So that was the first thing. Uh, the second thing was as I started to take on more clients and our guest booking is like included in our service. And I started off doing that myself. So I was the one reaching out, finding guests and pitching them on coming on our client shows. The same thing would happen. I would reach out to them on LinkedIn, I'd find people who had mutual connections. I'd shoot them a message. I would say, hey, I, we've got a couple of podcasts that we run that I think you might be a great guest for. Let me know if you want to jump on a quick call and we can talk through and see if any of them are a good fit.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: for, and I, I, that's still true today. That's a pretty good for the right person An automatic yes, as long as you're credible. And they look at your profile and go, "This person's legit." That's an automatic, yeah. pretty, pretty close to a yes. And so that stuff still works. Um, so I just reach out, you know, like every day on LinkedIn, I reach out to a couple of people. Um, I'll go through 10 or 15 profiles until I find the one or two I want to reach out to because I'm intuitively looking for someone that's the right person that I want to have in my world. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I reach out to them and we'll set up calls and we'll get them booked. And that that always leads to uh, to clients. So when you stack that on top of stuff like podcasting and me being a guest, and you have like the relationship kind of system that I have behind the scenes, then all that stuff kind of works together because I get all the credibility of the podcast. But then I have the conversations with, The people that end up turning into clients
1: that's awesome that's awesome so how did it turn into actually doing podcasts for other people
0: um just demand i went where the demand was that's what people were asking for so they would ask me like when i was just like an influencer in real estate um, I was hosting three different shows with some of the top names in the business. And so it was easy, like that, I got that their credibility bled off onto me. So that was number one. But then they were also asking how in the world are you doing this much content?
1: <laughs> right.
0: I mean, there was a one, there was a point where I was doing live podcasts five to seven hours a week. It was insane. And I wouldn't recommend that anybody do it. Now I had, fun. Sounds miserable. <laughs> I, I burned out on it and, and yeah. as fun as it was, I still burned out, but, um, Uh, They would ask me like how I put out that much content. I would just tell them like, yeah, I just, I, I used to do it all myself and I built this team of specialists that I basically just show up and I record and everybody else does the rest of the stuff. And then I just approve the email before it goes out. And they're like, holy cow, that thing exists. Like I've been wanting to start a podcast for a while and I can't figure out how to make my team do it. I'm like, yeah, just let's, let's grab a call. You can rent my team. you know, basically, so I let people rent, they would pay me, but they effectively were just renting my team uh, in the off hours and they weren't working for me. Right. And that worked until that broke. And then I'm like, okay, well now I have to start an actual agency and be an agency owner.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. That's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. So aside, yo, go ahead. You're about to say something. Oh, I was
0: I was just going to say like, that's, it's such a, um, and I did this for a long time. One of the, one of the other big mistakes I made in entrepreneurship was, um, you know, like thinking too much about like what I want to do, a lot of navel gazing, a lot of like, what do I want to be known for? Like, what do I want to do and stuff like that. Um, And that's fine. Like we, you know, you're going to have an existential crisis every five to 10 years in business anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But please, I'm like my my third midlife crisis in life as it is. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think we do put so much stock into like trying to figure out what perfectly matches with our passion. And we get all of our identity wrapped up in the business to the point where we can't move forward with something that people just want and are mm-hmm. clamoring for because, well, I don't know if I want to be known for that. And if, you know, like I, I just followed the demand. People were going, you know, like they weren't clamoring for my info products and in real estate. They were clamoring for the podcast agency. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, well, I'm really good at it. And I enjoy, I enjoy the people that I work with. I enjoy the clients. And that was the thing that triggered it was, if I'm going to go in on it, go in all in it Mm -hmm. the key was figuring out who was i going to go all in with and then i was like okay now i can enjoy this and now i can be comfortable being known for this because i'm serving the right people Mm -hmm. so it just kind of all clicked into place you
1: know somebody asked me recently like you you interview all these digital agency owners what's the one thing that they all have in common and every single person has this burning desire and passion to help somebody else whatever niche that may be in. That's the one thing that they all have in common, or at least the successful ones.
0: (laughs) Well, it definitely helps. Yeah. I mean, there's, you won't last long in the agency world. If you're only in it for the money, Mm -hmm. uh, you have to do really take, you have to take pride in the marketing that you're doing and the impact that you're making. So yeah, that's, uh, I love the fact that marketing tends to draw those people because I Mm -hmm. I get along very well with those folks.
1: Yeah, they're fun. They're fun. Mm -hmm. So aside from the business and the podcast, you've also written a book called micro famous as we see behind your head there, (laughs) Which is available on Amazon, uh, which obviously directly ties to your main podcast. So, what inspired you to actually write the book, and can you give us a little bit of a summary of what we could expect if we read it?
0: Yeah, well, and, and I'll I'll give you the the agency owner perspective on this, which I don't usually share, which is that I wanted more ideal clients. That's why I wrote the book. So the so the the book is like, even the title of the book immediately disqualifies the people that drive me the most nuts, which is the people that refuse to niche down. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting in a workshop one time after I had like the, it was in the lead up to the release of the book. And I was sitting in a workshop and somebody asked me like what the title, working title was and I told him. And he's like, well, why would somebody wanna be micro-famous when I can be macro-famous? Like I, I, don't, I don't exactly know who all of my audience wants to be. I wanna, They're like my, my content is amazing. Everyone can benefit everyone. from it. Yes. yes. I'm like, that's exactly why you're not my ideal client. So, so the book does a lot. Um, but the best thing that it did for me is it helped clarify my point of view. You know, there's concepts in there, like the clear and compelling idea and the three stages of influence that were kind of just floating around in my head. They were stuff that I talked about with clients behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. uh, but they weren't clearly defined and it wasn't my own intellectual property. Mm. So the the writing of the book got all of that stuff clear. And then every, like if people pick up the book and they only flip through like the first four or five chapters, they're going to get the most key concepts that, I wish that ideal clients would come in understanding. So that's the short story. That's like, that's from an agency owner's perspective. That's why I wrote a book instead of just like doing more podcasting.
1: So how long did it take? Did you to actually write the book?
0: Much longer than I thought. Um, <laughs> because two years ago I wrote a book in a month and then I realized oh, wow. I wrote the wrong book. So uh, that's still on the shelf and I'm like, crap. Okay. I was going to um, say, did you
1: release that one or No.
0: No. Nah. No, that's more, um, that'll be 10 years from now if I release that one. So, okay. um, so March of last year, I started writing. The mar- writing process took me six months. It took me another six months to get the book released. Now, it took me six months to write because I was hashing out the concepts, the ideas. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I know what I believe about podcast sponsorships. That wasn't the problem. I can bang out that chapter in, a, in an hour. But the, when you start really getting into what do I believe about social media, where does, what do I believe about what thought leaders should do and how do you attract attention in a way that actually converts into demand? Like there was just a lot of mental work I had to do Mm -hmm. to work out what my own beliefs and opinions were. If it hadn't, if that, if that stuff was already nailed down, it would take you a lot longer. But I, I have talked to many people that have written books and they all tell you just plan on it taking two or three times as long as you think. And they were right.
1: So true. Ben has actually had taught people how to, uh, write a book by actually just talking, recording it, and then having it transcribed. <laughs> he's like, that was the fastest way he could get a book done. It was just yeah. get it out, get it out of your head somewhere else. And that's usually the quickest way to do that. So
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. he's a genius. He he caught my eye with his, um, one of the posts he put up a few months ago about his book writing and publishing process where he like, put something out there and then comes back and kind of finishes later. I was like that, like that was, I couldn't have done that with my book because I had so much other work to do to work out the concepts. Yeah. If I had though, his system would work amazingly well.
1: Well, you want to talk about motivation. People have already bought it. You got to get your butt yeah. in there and get it done. That so. doesn't
0: work for me. So yeah, no, I, had me to, I had I had like, be stressed I couldn't, out. I couldn't put something else. Yes. It would just stress <laughs> me out. And then the ideas wouldn't flow. Like I yeah. had to like, I had to step back from the business. I had to clear my afternoons. Like I had to sit in a Starbucks, to get this done. So yeah, like if I hadn't had all the systems right in my agency, like literally the book would not exist. That's I mean, awesome. it just wouldn't have happened.
1: So what do you think has benefited your business more, the book or the podcast, or are they kind of the same well, side the of
0: book the Well, the book is point? so new. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not even close. It's, it's at the podcast, but yeah, I mean, uh, over, over time, nobody will look back and, and, and think about the podcast that I hosted probably they will look back 100 years from now and hopefully get a copy of Microfamous and go, wow, like this was actually a really great strategic book for its time that had a lot of impact. Um, so I think ultimately the book will have more, more impact and more staying power, I guess.
1: Yeah, I like it, I like it. So I really like this quote, you, we don't need to be everywhere or be everything to everyone. We only need to be famously influential to the right people. So who are the right people for us? And how do you go about being microfamous to them?
0: Okay, so if you ask yourself the same question that I did, uh, that's relatively easy to identify who your right people are. What freaks people out is niching down far enough to where the other people agree with you that they are a niche and that you can serve them and that it's big enough that you can take on enough clients to build a successful agency. Um, the funny thing about it is I, run, I know multiple people, friends and clients who run six and seven figure businesses in spaces where the entire universe of people who could give them money is 10,000 people. Like you, like it's way easier to, to niche down and, and what I would call shrink the battlefield. And you can be everywhere to a very specific set of people. Right, you don't have to be everywhere online. You don't have to be the next Gary Vee. But for the right people, it's a lot easier if you figure out who they are, because then you can focus all of your resources on being everywhere where they are hanging out. You can be on the podcast they listen to. You can be on the you know you can be on LinkedIn if that's where they're they're at, or you can be in a Facebook group if that's where they're at. Whatever that is. Um, so that's where you start. You always start with the people first. Mm-hmm. Then you figure out like once you know who the people are, then you can go. Okay, what do I have to say? that is clear and compelling to those people because it has to be both. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: there's a whole chapter in the book where I go through and say like, look, if here are the symptoms of if you only have one and not the other, if it's unclear or if it's not compelling, like these are the symptoms and you'll probably recognize yourself in one of those categories. Cause most um, I would say most agency owners and most experts fit into the category of unclear and compelling. Right they have compelling content. They do have opinions, you know, like you have a certain way that you believe that things should be marketed. Mm -hmm. You know, our buddy, Zach Hammer has a very specific approach to how he wants to build a marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. His, he has opinions that differ from mine and that's okay. So the question is, are they clear? Right yeah are those opinions clear, mm-hmm. and do they resonate with the right people? and if you can figure that out, that starts the promise of the the process of becoming microfamous because the message is way more important than just the medium, especially okay. when we talk about am I going to be on LinkedIn versus a Facebook group It's mm-hmm. way more important to have the message for the right people than it is to get the place right.
1: you know it always surprises me how far somebody can niche down and i'm gonna like tell on myself here i'm addicted to a podcast that's called my favorite murder which is awful i realize that (laughs) but i'm also in facebook groups for these but there's not just like my favorite murder facebook group there's a my favorite murder facebook group for people that love plants i'm like that is such a niche within a niche
0: wildly specific
1: isn't it though? But there's wow. like thousands of people in there. I'm like if if something is crazy as a freaking murder did, podcast. Did the plants
0: did the plants murder people in yeah. the podcast? Is that what's happening?
1: No. Nope. They just I they I don't know. it's weird. They they actually have well. plants that they name after murder. It's weird. <laughs>
0: interesting but, you know okay. sometimes
1: you got to have weird things you listen to to kind of defrag your brain and that's 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 mine <laughs> I
0: get that yeah I, I don't I don't listen to a ton of business podcasts as much as I used to so I get that I'm more into yeah. like the political social economic you know like all yeah. that stuff political. I know it's not relaxing I wouldn't call it relaxing it's just <laughs> it's a change of pace intellectually
1: Well, I was almost about to say that you and Zach actually disagree on something, but you're still friends. That's incredible today.
0: (laughs) I I believe me. I'm aware. Yes. I have many people that I have unfollowed on social media, hopefully temporarily. I am waiting while the madness passes, but we are in a very weird space where, yeah, like if you're an agency owner, I don't know, man, it's, uh, it's, uh, Either you have to take sides or you have to be really good at diplomatically not taking sides because those are the only two options. Yes. If that that second one is even an option, and I don't necessarily agree that it is. um, Yeah. Like um, three years ago, my business coach, who's a good friend of mine, kind of took his stand publicly, immediately lost half his clients. Right. But now all of his clients know what his political views are. So when this thing came around, and he kept speaking out and nobody was surprised. His business didn't drop, right? Because he took the pain back then. I think, yeah. we're, I think we're coming to a crossroads where you're going to have to decide whether you take a stand politically and start preparing yourself and getting to know your clients a little bit better and mm-hmm. seeing if I happen to say something on a podcast or on a live or somebody comes after me and I get hit by a Twitter mob or something like that, like which clients are going to stand with me and which ones are going to run? Because yeah. you got you to know.
1: It's true. That's true. So, uh, going back to podcasting, do you have a client podcast that you consider one of your greatest successes so far?
0: Uh, yeah, there's a couple of them. Um, the team building podcast with Jeff Cohn is definitely one. It doesn't have a ton of downloads. It just dominates that space. It gets the most downloads of of that space, and he it built a multi six figure coaching business in like eighteen to twenty four months off of that podcast. And still, like I was sitting in a room speaking at his very first event. It was in. Omaha, Nebraska, which is the middle of nowhere, right? You know where that is. Um, To like 100 people got on a plane and came to Omaha, Nebraska for the very first team building event. And I was sitting there in the room where somebody asked him, how many of these people are here because of your podcast? And 70% of the hands shot up.
1: Well, they got to really want it if they're willing to go to Omaha, Nebraska. I
0: know. I mean, and there's no reason to go there. There's just no, no reason to go
1: None. None whatsoever.
0: Um, yeah, but that's definitely one of them. And everybody else has different varying levels of success. But I will say this, like as an agency owner, I don't have a 100% success rate, right? Because podcasting isn't a magic pill and neither is any of the things that we sell in marketing. There is no magic silver bullet. Um, so part, like, part of the reason that I wrote the book is that I want people that have And understanding that their podcast has to line up with their business model and I think anybody that sells marketing you better understand like what what exactly is that you're selling and how does it align with their business because if it's not aligned it's not gonna work for them and Mm -hmm. if you know that going in you're taking their money for no good reason and I didn't want to do that like I wanted to restrict and start restricting myself to the people that I thought had the best chance of it actually going gangbusters and generate like a 10x legitimate. 10x ROI so if they pay me two grand a month they better be generating 50 to 100 grand or more in Mm -hmm. income off of the podcast and if I if I am sitting on that sales call thinking I don't think they qualify I don't take them on as a client anymore which is you know that's painful to turn away Mm -hmm. the revenue but I've been in enough conversations with them six and twelve months in when they're going hey this just isn't generating the revenue I'm saying I know because you won't do what I tell you to do um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know like i've been enough of those conversations to know that i'm i don't want to have them if i can help it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So do you have a favorite uh, this is like asking for your favorite child. Do you have a favorite guest story or an episode of your podcast that's been your favorite?
0: Um yeah, there was one that i put out recently that uh was with Lars Hedenberg who's built a seven figure professional services company, and then built, turned around and started teaching people how to do it and turned that into a seven-figure coaching consulting company. So he came on the podcast to share how he did that. I launched his podcast, which is called the Business Freedom Podcast. And he was just talking about like how podcasting has completely changed the quality of his sales calls. It was, it was a really nice interview, but he's just one of the sharpest people I know. So if anybody is in the agency world, like he could turn around and teach somebody how to build an agency up the same way. He's just one of the most methodical you know, systematic people I I know. Um, And then there's the other one from a few years ago where the guest uh, stood up halfway through to answer their door and we realized that they didn't have pants on. That's an unrelated episode. But uh, that's probably my favorite podcasting story was the doorbell rang during a live, Facebook Live episode. And she was sitting at her kitchen table and it just so happened that the camera switched away from her. We could see it in the corner, but my co-host was talking and we could see that she got up to like answer the door to keep somebody from ringing the doorbell. And she had no pants on.
1: I'm like is that, does that really, apparently it really does happen. I mean, like.
0: and that was before the days of everybody zooming from home with no pants on. So I don't know yeah. what her excuse was, but I thought oh that gosh. was hilarious. Uh,
1: maybe, mm, I'm like, maybe she had just really short shorts on.
0: <laughs> I, would, nope. I would like to say that's the case. But that, <laughs> that was, that was not the case. <laughs>
1: So are there, that's the, uh, everybody listening to this, always wear pants. You never know what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> exactly. I say it's a good policy for life, but that could just be me.
1: <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's like, I keep saying, seeing people like, I don't want to wear masks. Well, I don't want to wear pants to a restaurant either, but. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so are there any other podcasts, speakers or authors that you're currently really interested in and really following?
0: You know, that's a great question. Um, because I, I don't have a lot. Um, Tim Ferriss just did, did something really interesting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is he launched a new podcast. I think it was called Tools of Titans. It was after the, the book, which has been out for a few years. Yeah. But he basically came out with a podcast that was essentially him reading through his book. So it's a, it is a solo podcast where there are no guests. It's just him talking. And it's much, much shorter. They're like 15 to 20 minute episodes and I, that to me that's a little that's a little indication that like things are changing in the podcast world right when tim ferris does something that's the exact opposite of what tim ferris has been working and what's been doing really well for him for the last mm-hmm. however many years um i'm seeing more people do that and uh and I actually just split my podcast in two. So I've got all my conversations on one feed and all my solo episodes on another feed. Uh-huh. Um, that way they can, it's very clear to the audience what they're signing up for and what problem that's, that podcast solves. I think we're going to see a lot more of that, what uh-huh. you would call like su- like super niche maybe uh-huh. is a good word for it. Yeah. Um, so that I was keeping an eye on that and seems to be doing well.
1: Yeah. I, I can tell you, Zach Hammer has been in my head. He's like, you know, Matt keeps telling me you got to talk, you know, not just do recordings and interviewing other people you need to talk to. I'm like, no, no, I don't. No? <laughs> I don't well- know.
0: Well, keep in mind, I would consider like the episode you did with Ben or the episodes uh-huh. that you did with Ben, like uh-huh. I would consider that a solo episode. That is not an interview. that yeah. is you guys talking about what the agency is doing. Mm-hmm. I would consider that a solo episode because you're on the same team talking about internally what you guys are doing. You're not bringing somebody else's point of view. It's That's all true. your belief system talking about what you guys are doing. Like so keep that in mind. did <clears throat> solo episode um, can be you just showing up and talking to, into the mic, but if you can find somebody that just has good, you know, chemistry and can bounce you questions and you just have fun conversations with, but it's all about you and your point of view. Mm-hmm. That's, that's perfectly fine too.
1: Okay, Zach. Well, I'm taking that one. I'll take yeah. it. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll
0: smack him on your behalf.
1: <laughs> he's just trying to help. So he's been, yeah, he's-, he's been touting your, uh, touting your expertise to me for a while. So. <laughs> so do you have any other, uh, projects or business things that are coming up that you want to share with us?
0: Uh, You know, I don't. And that's the beauty of it. I don't. Um, No, I'm just It's. uh, I mean, basically now it's, um, here's the way that I'm looking at growing the agency. We are overstaffed and I started an internship program that I've been tinkering with since last year that's already paying off. I just, I had one account manager leave. We just replaced her with someone from our internship program. She's kicking butt two weeks into the job. Um, that like, that's changed things. Cause I have the whole system worked out to where I know I can double or triple the business. And I don't, I not only have most of the people in place, but more importantly, I have the systems to build that. So now it's just a marketing challenge. So we're, we're experimenting. We're working with Zach on some paid ad stuff. We're doing some LinkedIn stuff, you know, just to amplify the effects of the podcast and get the content into more people's hands. But yeah, I mean, the challenge is just like, once you decide on that one person and the one thing. Man, it mm-hmm. makes everything else so much easier. And I have so much space to really feel, like, focus on the key problems. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, the, and the challenges in the business change from being too busy and scattered and putting out fires everywhere to just thinking really deeply about what is that next step, which is what gave me the space to write the book. And now I'm in the phase of, okay, now that I have the book, let's maximize the results from the book. So that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically what the entire year is about.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So the last question that I've got for you and it's the big one, the big one. (laughs) If you could sum up all of your experiences into one word or thought and tell your younger self about it, what would it be?
0: (laughs) Wow. Really? Uh, Into one word?
1: Can I just say, I didn't write that. Derek did. So you can blame him.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm going to have to send Derek a very angry thank you note. Um, (laughs) Stern, a sternly worded thank you note.
1: What's a good Um, piece of advice for anybody? Who's just starting out, they're starting their age, besides niching down, because obviously we all say that a million times, but outside of niching down, what would be some advice you'd give If I have to distill
0: it down to one word, I know what the word would be, but you're not going to like it. Uh, It's systems.
1: No, it's a good word.
0: All right. Now here's why. Uh, Because if you ever read the book Systems Mindset, I have it's amazing. Sam Carpenter, freaking amazing book, life-changing, not very long. Um, here, like, here's why, here's what I would tell my, my younger self. The world works exactly as it's supposed to do. If you don't like the outcomes, change something in the system. So if you don't like the fact that your agency is scattered and messy and complicated, something is wrong in your system, go down below the decks, get into the engine room and start tinkering until you start getting better results. Um, I spent way too much time in my early twenties thinking that I was like I was the problem, like my identity or that I was like, you know what I'm saying? Like low confidence, Mm -hmm. choosing the right things. The world was against me, you name it. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I read books like that and I got around people that had that mentality. And I realized that, yeah, the problem was me, but it was just the fact that I didn't have the right understanding to go tinker with the systems of my life and my business. And Mm -hmm. once I did that, I started realizing, oh, wait a minute, this is the answer. And I just went all in. So like now I would tell somebody, systems before people do not hire rock star people mm-hmm. until you have rock star systems first, then you will attract rockstar people. Um, and I just, I was very fortunate to have that modeled for me by the people that I used to work for and my early clients that I just copied that and, uh, and put it into the agency.
1: They saved you big time. A lot of hus a lot of hassle and headaches if they yes. uh, were able to put systems in place. Cause that's, that's, that is the big one. I like it. So, yeah. all right. Where can people get more from you? Tell us where to find you.
0: Easy. Get microfamous.com. So websites in progress, but right now all the links are out to everything are there. The podcast, the book, all that stuff. Um, if you're a reader like me, you want to get the physical copy, just go to microfamousbook.com. It's free plus the shipping, you know, the drill on that. So um, that's the best two places. All
1: right. Well, it's good. I have enjoyed uh, just getting to chat with you and finally Me putting so. a face with a name that I've heard so many times. So.
0: <laughs> I had no idea he was uh, pr- promoting my expertise, but I Not just it. Zach,
1: but Richard too. So for sure. Oh yeah, I love Richard. All right, Matt. Well, thanks so much. And we'll see you guys next Tuesday.
0: You've been listening to the Digital Agency Insiders podcast. For more tutorials on growing your digital marketing agency, make sure to visit digitalagencyinsiders.com.